All right, it is First and Moose. I'm Connor Taylor. With me, as always, is Mark Schoenster. It was it was a fun weekend. There's plenty of games that were close, plenty of games that were so-called upsets. I know it's early in the season, but I thought it was an enjoyable weekend, Mark. Yeah, I think each weekend is improved from the previous one. There were a lot of great games yesterday that were a lot of fun yesterday, as in referring to Sunday, um, since we're recording this on a Monday. Um, I thought there are some great matchups, some unexpected things happened, and there are a couple of tight games that I thought got pretty crazy at times. So I, uh, I definitely enjoyed the slated games we had uh, this past Sunday. Yeah, I, I thought it was the best Sunday we've had, and I thought it's improved, like you're saying, each, each week thus far. And I think it should continue to improve the play overall. But I thought we could start with uh, teams that are 3-0 that we don't like, that we think are kind of fakers, and then teams that are 0-3 that maybe we don't love by any means, but we think they, they could be better than an 0-3 team. But let's start with those 0-3 teams, Mark. Who's an mm-hmm. 0-3, team, 0-3 team that you kind of like? Well, I, I have two answers to this. I think the obvious answer is the Texans. They, 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 have three, they had three matchups. Uh, three of the toughest teams in the AFC. And so them losing those three is rough and it's definitely not encouraging for them, but they could turn it around and still have a great run and still make the playoffs this season. I would say if any team that is 0-3, they probably have the best odds of still making the playoffs. But if we really want to talk about a team that I, that, that I still think has the chance to to at least make some – make some waves this season and it, it, it's indic- it, it all from, comes down to a decision is the Falcons. The Falcons, I mean, at this point in time could be two and one mm-hmm. if they had just been better coached. If they can either a, if Dan Quinn can somehow make some miraculous adjustments this next upcoming few weeks and turn the ship around, or if they fire him and a new coach comes in and actually keeps his team disciplined, then the Falcons can turn it around and really pull off a lot of upsets on the season. But it has to come down to that that culture shift at the head coaching position. And I think it's not going to be the former. It's going to be the latter. If the, if this season's going to be saved by the Falcons, they need to cut the cord on Dan Quinn and figure something else out. It's, it's not working for them. And I think a lot of people thought there was a chance because they had a, they had a good ending last season. They started rough. I think it was like one and seven and then yeah. went like six and two. But I mean, you, the way they're losing games, I think is worse this year. And mm-hmm. you're right. They should be two and one, but I had the Texans as well as a team. I, I sort of, sort of like, cause it's just their schedule has been extremely unfair to them at the moment. But then I, I kind of like the Vikings still, and I might be crazy because I don't think there's tons of reasons to like them. I mean, Justin Jefferson sort of came alive this, this past Sunday, and the defense needs to step up a lot. But I, I, still, I still hold out a little bit of hope that Mike Zimmer will figure it out for them, but not compared to, like, the Texans. I think the Texans still have a good shot to, to figure it out compared to the other 0-3 teams. I mean, I don't think the Jets or the Giants are going to be figuring it out anytime soon. No, the, uh, the, the Jets and Giants, and I guess if you want to lump the Eagles and the Bengals into that group since they haven't won a game yet either, 
they're they're in a different subset than I would say. You have the Broncos a tier above them, and then I would say that the Vikings, the Falcons, and the Texans are are in the tier above that one as far as the the winless teams are concerned. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then the the 3-0 teams, the teams that are undefeated at the moment, I think it's a pretty obvious answer of a team that you probably don't like. At least I put down the Bears as the team I, I really don't love at the moment. But I also think you could argue the, the Titans aren't a team that's super lovable the way they're winning games right now. Yeah, I would say that the Bears are the, the easy answer here. Uh, I mean, they're having a quarterback issue. They, they just announced today uh, on Monday that Nick Foles is going to start this next week, which I think is good for the Chicago Bears. Um, my thought is that defensively, yeah, they're good. Offensively, there's something to be desired, but Nick Foles definitely made them look better. I don't think they're a 3-0 and team, though. And then I was going to say, if you were going to talk about the Bears, I was going to mention the Titans, uh, a stat that is pretty easy to look at. They've won all three of their games by a combined total of six points. And the Colts, who are below them in their division, they've lost a game, have won by their point differential on the season is plus 39. So although I would say that, I mean, the, they've played two of the same teams. The only difference is the Colts have played the Jets and the Titans have played the Broncos. Outside of that, they they played the Jaguars and Vikings. And so I would say that I'm not convinced this Titans team can sustain this, uh, this kind of play where it is close week in and week out. And I don't know. I, I would say I'm not sold on them as a three and O team either. And I think that they're going to suffer a loss here pretty soon. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not sold on the Titans so far. I think, I mean, they're going to win games, but they they just have that kind of vibe of like a 9-7 and seven team, like better than most teams, but nothing spectacular at the moment. And, I mean, like you're saying, they play the same teams. I mean, the Colts ran over the the Vikings, and then the Titans struggled with the Vikings. So, if that's – you can take some comparisons away from that. But I thought one of the more interesting games we can we can jump straight into was was the game you paid attention to, Mark. It's the Rams, the Rams Bills game, and I mean there's there's tons to take away from it. It was lopsided for a while, and then got to be a really good game. But I think you know the the, the biggest thing taken away was you know, Josh Allen seems seems very good at the moment, and seems like he can help this Bills team win. Yeah, I would say I had the pleasure, the absolute pleasure of watching this game all the way to the end. And I'm going to say, when this game was 28-3, to and I don't mean to sound like a smart aleck here or sound like someone who's going to be like, oh, I called this. But when it was 28-3, to it didn't feel like that. I felt like at that point in time, the game was a lot more competitive than the 28-3 to score indicated at the time. And then my thoughts were vindicated throughout the game as the Rams defense starts stepping up. Um, I guess that, that was one of the big takeaways for me. And we could talk about Josh Allen in a second, because that has to be the main takeaway. But another big takeaway is holy moly. I mean, we talk about how good Aaron Donald is, right? We talk about how good he is all the time. Other, other pundits talk about how good he is. Media personalities talk about how good he is. 
But, geez, this guy can take over a game. And that's what happened when it was 28-3. to He just started single-handedly barreling through that Buffalo Bills offensive line. It felt like every single play. He was just wreaking havoc, making, uh, creating gaps for his guys, pushing linemen into Josh Allen's face, getting past them, and himself getting into the face of Josh Allen. It was incredible just how much damage he was doing play after play after play and just never letting up. And that is a big part of why the Rams were able to get back into this game because they were able to slow down the Bills and continue to click on offense because the Rams in the first half, they did fine on the offensive side of the ball. They made some good plays. They drove down a couple of times. They had a missed field goal uh, interception. That was a poor interception by Jared Goff. Uh, those things happen. But all in all, I didn't feel too uncomfortable with the Rams' offense going into the second half of play. But another big takeaway from this game is these are both good football teams. These are both great football teams that have a lot to be excited about this season because that was a good football game. Just as it kept playing out, players were, were making great plays in different aspects of the game. You had great running back play. You had Jared Goff and Josh Allen both played amazing in that matchup you had receivers stepping up you had linemen stepping up um d linemen in particular you had some, the secondary on both sides making plays like these are teams chock full of talent and they're also both being coached really well right now i, I these teams are both going to win games and i think both teams are going to be in the playoffs they these are two playoff teams from what i watched on sunday and then i guess for the rams before we go into Josh Allen, which is going to be a whole little thing on its own for me to, to talk about. I would say that the Rams have proven that they can run the ball with honestly anyone who fits the system because Daryl Henderson Jr. came in and ran for 114 yards and almost averaged six yards a carry. And he looked great. He, he, he looked like Malcolm Brown did against the Cowboys week one. So it, it's very strange to see, these running backs just come in, get plugged in, and do well in their system. I think that speaks to how brilliant Sean McVay is and how he's gotten four to five guys head coaching gigs all across the NFL. And sometimes I think we forget that. And so I, this Rams team is going to be good. I've liked them this season, but I, I'm a very big fan of them now. And then, of course, the last thing worth talking about in this game and I could go on about this game forever, but Josh Allen. In years past, I've been a little bit of a doubter of Josh Allen. I knew that he could run. I knew that an offense built around him could find some success. I knew that uh, there, there, there are ways that he can win games for his team, but I never thought that he could really ever take over a game or when the pressure is on, he could make plays happen. After watching, first off, just the bits of how he played the first two weeks. And then watching him for the full game, just like paying close attention to him for the entire match against the Rams, I am a believer in Josh Allen. And I think Josh Allen is a great quarterback. Uh, my opinion has changed on him. And I think he's stepped up in a big way this season. He has been composed. He has made plays. And one of the biggest things that I thought was great is that he did not flinch under the pressure. Like, I talked earlier about how Aaron Donald kept harassing them, 
and how he really stepped up in the second half. But that defensive line was causing the Bills problems the entire day. And Josh Allen made countless throws with guys coming right at him in his face where he would just have to sling it around them. And he put it right on the money and he made some great decisions under duress. And I was, I was in awe. I was, I was having a great time watching him play. And I think that he should be in the conversation right now for the MVP. Obviously you've got Russell Wilson who is balling out of his mind right now, but that at some point I would reckon would slow down. And if Josh Allen continues to play, he's playing at right now then I think he should be in that conversation, especially if they keep winning games. He has looked fantastic. I think he's a great quarterback who can win playoff games. And that's something I did not think before. And I think that's the big thing to take away from this game is that he can make big plays throughout the game. And then when they needed to drive down and win, he was composed. He, he even made some mistakes on that drive and then turned around and made a good play to cover it up. I, I don't know. I think that Josh Allen is a great quarterback and I am a certified fan now. If, I mean, there's, I, I completely agree that he should be in the MVP conversation right now. I mean, he's playing at a high level. Kind of came out of nowhere. I feel like, honestly, if he had a not so great season, I mean, people would be wondering if the Bills should go out and sign a different QB just because, I mean, that roster is a championship level roster. And then if your QB's holding you back, you, you want to find something else out there but Josh Allen is proving himself this year and I think he's looked phenomenal like you're saying but yeah, I guess I, mean, I just want to really quick he's second in the NFL in passing yards right now he already has over a thousand he has 10 passing touchdowns which is behind only Russell Wilson and he's only thrown one interception and that was in this game and I don't think that interception was his fault I think the DB made a great play on the ball and uh, I think it was Tyler Croft who was the receipt, who was the tight end trying to catch it there should have done better. This guy has been great and has been playing pretty mistake free, at least critical mistake free. I, if, if you had to choose, I guess some, some QBs in, in moments at the end of the game, like, I guess we, we can just do Jared Goff and Josh Allen. Do you lean Josh Allen at the moment? Yes, I lean Josh Allen, but Jared Goff has also looked great in the game. And I think that people are overlooking him. All right. Um, Kirk Cousins. Oh, Josh Allen, easy. All right now, Josh Allen, easily over Kirk Cousins. I think this one might be harder. Cam Newton. <sighs> that is really tough. Um, oh, that's tough. I think I, I, at this point, I want to go with Cam Newton just because I think that Cam Newton has been in more big games than Josh Allen at this point. And so I think he'll be a little more composed, but Josh Allen by the end of the year, I, I actually, if Josh Allen keeps playing like this by like week eight, I'll probably say Josh Allen. It's just a matter of, does he continue to play at this level? I, I agree. I think that's a, that's probably one of the harder ones I can think of just because, you know, you could argue there's sort of similar QBs in a way. Um, but I think uh, at the end of the year, I think I could see Josh Allen being better. I think the Bills-Patriots matchups are going to be extremely fun oh, to watch this year. These are going to be so much fun. Especially since they've been boring mm -hmm. for such a long time. I think that's, that's something that's super exciting. But the next game, it's not, it's not an exciting one, but I thought we could, we could get this out of the way. The, the Falcons-Bears and man, oh man, it's – 
so much on both sides. It's just like, what what happened? I mean, the Falcons gave up another 15, I think it was 15 points this week, something like that, in the fourth quarter. Um, it was I mean, 20 points. 20, okay. It. I mean, it's just – you can't keep up with how many blown leads and what new stat that's out there about the chances of it happening. I mean, there are so many I saw on Twitter when I was reading one article, they're like, this is like, I think it was one in 140,000 chance for this to happen. Like it's, it is back to back losses like this. No, it is incredible. And I mean, if you want to talk about something though, you want to talk about the comeback bears, they scored 21, They won 21 to zero against uh, the Lions in the fourth quarter, and then won 20 to zero against the Falcons in the fourth quarter. I mean, we're going to talk about the the Falcons blowing leads. Let's take a look at this Bears team that are just crawling back into games <laughs> the last chance they can. I, I think that in both cases, both cases that you could pin the blame on the losing team more than you can attribute it to the Bears. But I think in this game the bears get a little more credit because Nick Foles came in and he was composed and I thought he played some good football. Um, but I mean, if we're talking about the Falcons here, we already mentioned it earlier. This is 100% a coaching issue because one week, maybe you can point fingers at some players that screwed things up. You can point at the special teams unit in that Cowboys game. I know that last week I called out their special teams coordinator, but now I'm looking at Dan Quinn and thinking, this is it. I, I, have, I used to be a big Dan Quinn fan. I think that he needs to go. I think that this is a team that is hindered by the decision-making of their coaching staff right now, and that needs to change. They, they have so much talent, and it's just underusing Inexcusable. It. Yeah. But a, a fun stat – is Mitchell Trubisky. Who knows uh, if he'll ever play again. Mm-hmm. But his QB record is 26 and 18. So this quarterback has a chance to go down as a winning quarterback. Which, I mean, not, I mean, QB's tied to wins, but not that much. But the fact that he's going 26 and 18, and who, I, if he's cut by the Bears at the end or let go, I don't, I don't know why a team would sign him. Yeah. But I, I think the biggest thing that my takeaway is Nick Foles kind of gives the Bears defense something to play for, at least. It gives them hope. Like last year, I feel like mm-hmm. the Bears defense was just like defeated and they didn't at the end. They're like, what, what's the point? Like, mm-hmm. what are we, yeah. we got to go watch Mitchell Trubisky's led offense out there. But this year, assuming that Nick Foles plays a little bit better than Mitchell Trubisky, it kind of gives that defense something to play for. And I think that would be big for the Bears. Yeah, I think that's – I guess the big thing is what Nick Foles are we going to get each week because Nick Foles in moments like, yes, uh, last Sunday, thrives. He gets When he gets thrusted upon a situation, he does well. But the moment that he's just like the guy week in and week out, he's never been very convincing, if we're going to be honest. And so we'll see if the Bears look a lot different this next week. Um they play the Colts, which is an interesting matchup. And we'll see how things go there. I I like Nick Foles, but I have my doubts about how he plays in the regular season when it's not crunch time. So we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see both of these teams move forward and see if one team regresses like I feel like a lot of people expect in the Bears and if the Falcons can finally find a win and, and – 
I mean, they should be two and one, like we've stated. Mm-hmm. But the next game is the Seahawks Cowboys. I have up, and it was a weird game, like normal. I mean, I feel like any Seahawks game is always weird. I mean, they were ten and three last year in one possession games. They're two and zero this year, and I think they're going to continue to play in one possession games, at least how that defense is playing at the moment. And I mean, Russell Wilson's going to be able to win these games. And honestly, the fact that he's going to be playing in so many one possession games is going to help him win the MVP because he's going to have plenty of fourth quarter throws at the end of games where you're watching him. It's coming down to the last second and he's coming up clutch. It's, it's going to happen over and over again. But that Seattle's defense needs to improve if they want to win a Super Bowl this year. But when I was thinking about it, though, I think just getting away from the Seahawks-Cowboys game is NFC defenses in general at the moment. I mean, the top teams right now, you could argue Packers, Seahawks, Cowboys will probably win their division, Saints or Buccaneers. And none of those defenses really, like, excite me. Maybe the Buccaneers might be my favorite defense out of those teams. But do you think there's, like, an NFC defense that's scary at the moment? Yeah, it's it's very odd because typically the NFC boasts those brutal defenses, you know? That's typically how things pan out in the NFC. And I, I'm looking down on the, the list of NFC teams to find some inspiration, and there's not a lot there. I mean, the 49ers, they, they are a powerful defense that have lost a couple of key pieces due to injuries. The Cardinals are okay defensively, but they, they just suffered a loss. The Rams, honestly, if we want to talk about the team that I wouldn't want to play their defense right now, I mean, it's got to be either the Rams or the Packers, and I think I'm edging towards the Rams. I think the Rams defense is probably the one I wouldn't want to play the most, and that falls upon the shoulders of the game wrecker that is Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's very strange to think about because – the whole moniker defense wins championships is not really thriving in the NFC. But I think we need to follow some advice that we gave a couple weeks ago before the season started. And that's the fact that it's the COVID-19 season. And typically it takes a week or two, or it takes a while for defenses to get integrated as the season goes. And it's probably going to even be more extrapolated this year, given everything that's going on. We, we, we've seen record numbers and points scored these first few weeks of the NFL season. And I think that the fact that it is this socially distant fanless year without the proper training is a big reason for that. I'd say we might see one or two of these defenses turn it around by the time playoff football comes around. And I mean, I guess I'll say it right now. Whichever teams get their defenses to click, and this isn't really a hot take, but the ones who do, those are going to be your Super Bowl contenders. I, I agree. I think we can chalk it up to being COVID-19. And that's, that's one thing is these defense should get better as time mm-hmm. moves along. It's kind of like which ones will make that jump? Which yeah. ones? Because I, I think all these defenses can, can play better than they are. The Packers defense doesn't look like the Packers defense last year, nor does the Saints defense. Uh, the Seahawks could probably do a little bit better on defense and the Cowboys need to find something on defense. But I mean, I think we, we just got to give defenses time at the moment, but I think you're right. I think whatever, it's not a hot take like you're saying, but whichever defense finds its groove is going to help 
these these really good offenses at the moment and the chances of win, winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. But getting back to that Seahawks-Cowboys game, DK Metcalf, obviously the one moment was – it was immediately everywhere on social media. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've – that's one of those moments where my hands were raised – because I'm a fantasy team too. So my hands were raised, I cheered, and then completely, utterly ruined my mood. <laughs> it, it, was, yeah. it was like the quickest – I'm trying to think if there's like a quicker moment where I went from excitement to like, like sadness. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was within a second. I was like, man, this is, this is not fun whatsoever. But he, he ended up coming back. And I think he's – Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf were both good wide receivers, and they seem like they're able to step up at the moment. So – that's one thing where depending how long Chris Carson's injury is, how much they're going to rely on the wide receivers, it's working right now. But I think, you know, Pete Carroll does want some type of run game, even though yeah. he's, he's going away from, he's always going to want some type of run game. But on, on the Cowboys side, they're, you know, have a losing record, but they're, they're in close games and yeah. they could be 0 and 3. They could be 3-0. They could be 2-1. There's so many options for them at the moment. And I think the thing is, what's, what's good about them is you can be patient. Their division's bad. And they've got the Browns and Giants up next. So, obviously, assuming they can go 3-2. and two, Yeah. Which, I don't, that's nothing crazy by any means to say that. But I think it's just be patient with them at the moment. Their, their defense really needs to step up, which – I don't know how long we'll give excuses to defenses. I think it'll be interesting to see when people are like, hey, defenses should be good by now. But that's the one thing I'm worrying about is that Cowboys defense. But then there's that bright spot of Alden Smith leading the league in sacks right now, which is Mm -hmm. completely unexpected. What is this, 2013? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really weird. But then the, the last thing I had just from this game, just this weird game of back and forth was it almost seemed like neither team wanted to win at at moments because there's just a lot of unwarranted mistakes mm-hmm. uh, from my perspective with some fumbles obviously they had a safety it was a muffed kick and then on the Seahawks side there Russell Wilson seemed a little bit off you know we talked about the DK Metcalf fumble into the back of the end zone it just it was it was a really weird game and I don't think there's anything we should expect not expect from a weird game from the Seahawks because they're going to be in so many weird games this year because that's that's just on Seahawks brand. But overall, there there wasn't huge takeaways besides Russell Wilson's making the case for his MVP. It's going to continue overall. Yeah, he he got ripped off of a touchdown because of DK Metcalf. That's that's so crazy to me. Fourteen touchdowns in three weeks. That is insane. That is an absolutely insane number. I mean, right now on pace to break break my man Peyton Manning's uh, fifty five touchdown pass record, which is I mean that's <laughs> that is quite the number to try to keep up with, especially with the weapons that Russell Wilson has. No knock to DK and Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson, but it's nothing like that Broncos offense from that season that he did that um go ahead i I think that um i i always say you were talking about defenses is when thanksgiving hits and i know this is a little late but when thanksgiving hits i always say that it's playoff picture season 
and I always get excited for Thanksgiving because then they start putting out the playoff pictures and it really starts mattering because you only got a couple more games left and the tension is rising. And on top of that, I say the temperature is rising. The tension is rising. The temperature is dropping, <laughs> which is huge for defenses because when it gets colder, they start, they really take advantage of that. And I think if the Cowboys defense doesn't show any promise by Thanksgiving, this team is not going to find success in the playoffs. And I think that's a big thing because right now Dak Prescott is, is throwing his heart out and he has receivers who are all playing really well. And they just, they just need some bailout on that side of the ball. Um, but with that in mind, all this hype around the Cowboys – yeah, maybe you could be three and zero right now, but you could also be zero and three. As you mentioned, this is a team that's really shaky, and uh, I think you want to hope you run up the score on the Browns and on the you said the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are two teams that I think you should blow out of the water. But I don't know if the Browns might keep it interesting. We'll we'll have to see this next week. And I think also you got to hope that the, the defense holds up because both those offenses so far haven't showed much of life. I know the Browns mm-hmm. put up a decent amount of points against the football team and the Bengals, but I don't think that says too much by any means. But I, and then you've, you've got to be able to stop that Giants offense. I mean, the Giants offense did not look good this mm-hmm. past Sunday. But how many, t- how many games do you even think the Cowboys need to win? Do they, what, eight? maybe to win their division? Do they even need eight to win their division? I don't know the mathematics. How many they need? How many they need? I mean, this could be a division that seven and nine wins it. I don't think the Cowboys will only win seven games. I think they'll win more than that. But looking at the football team, looking at the Giants, and looking at the Eagles, you may only need seven games to win this division. This is how bad that the NFC East looks this year. Um, it's, it is particularly bad this season. I... I think the Cowboys probably win this this one by two or three games, which is interesting given how typically weird and tight the NFC East typically is. Yeah, I, I think the Cowboys don't need to put on cruise control, but I don't think they need to be looking over their shoulder in this division whatsoever. They can cough up games, and they already have. But they... Yeah, they're one and two, and they're tied for the, the, the <laughs> division. Like, that's so sad. Yeah, but we can have a break right now. It'll be, it'll be a short one. We'll be back with plenty of fun games to talk about, especially that, that Packers-Saints game. Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive. I don't have the equipment. It'll be too difficult. I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast. And I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. 
and we are back with more first and moose connor taylor mark schoenster we're still here i want to talk about packers saints game and first off mike Tarico calling games and uh, i had to look it up because i was like what what's going on with al michaels but apparently he's gonna he's gonna call a handful of games this year did do you like him as the play-by-play guy mark yeah i like mike Tarico. i think he's very he's very professional he he uh he 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 gets pretty excited for excited moments. He he keeps himself composed though. He's not crazy, you know. And I think that I think he's a decent to good commentator. I like him. I think he brings some good energy. And I it didn't make me notice that it was a different commentator too many times. And I was in my house just watching it with one other person, so the commentary was up. I. I like Mike Tirico. Uh, long story short, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he did well, and I, I know, I guess I read more into it. I guess he was expecting to call Thursday night football games when NBC had it, and they lost the rights, and there's been drama. But I, I thought that was interesting. It just shocked me when I saw Mike Tirico. But talking about the football itself, uh, a good stat for the Packers is they've scored the fifth most points in the Super Bowl era through three games. So that is something to take comfort in. And I think the biggest thing for me is that Rodgers looks happy right now. He's smiling a lot more than he has smiled the past four years. And I think that's huge. A lot of times he didn't seem his happiest. There's, there was one moment, I believe it was the Lions game where he kind of yelled at LaFleur, but it was just, he caught a timeout and Rodgers thought he was going to get it off in time, but it wasn't like a, a very high tension moment is just about football itself, but right. so far he looks happy and he's complimenting LaFleur. And I think that's going to be huge is a, even though through the season we're talking about, it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers going into it being a spite tour. And I, I kind of enjoyed that, that narrative, but at the moment he just seems so happy and it seems like people are, are backing him now. I, I kind of miss the preseason where everyone was hating on the Packers. Yeah, I, I think you're right. He looks really comfortable right now, and I think he's enjoying himself, which is something I haven't seen in Aaron Rodgers in quite a while. I think that he always played with such an irritated demeanor in the past, and right now he just seems loose and is playing good football, too, because of it. He's not – there were times last year that I didn't know if I liked the Aaron Rodgers I saw because of just how I, I felt it was kind of tense, and it's not like that anymore, and I think the Packers should be really happy about that because he's still making big plays. It's not like he isn't taking it seriously. He's joking around with guys, and then he's turning around and throwing a bomb down the field for 40 yards. I, Aaron Rodgers is playing high-level football right now, and the Packers should be really excited about that. And I think that the fact that he was able to make Alan Lazard look that good <laughs> is really impressive. And this is going to be a team that's going to be tough to beat every single week. And I'm going to click open their schedule here really quick. I don't know if – I don't know when they're going to lose. That's going to be a big thing. I imagine they'll drop one. They, they're they not playing anyone super easy these next mm-hmm. few weeks. They got the Falcons, Bucks, Texans, Vikings, Niners. Uh, I imagine they'll drop one of those games in there. But those are also all games that I almost – I would pick them to win each each given week. This Packers team, they very well could be contending for this number one seed, especially given the fact that they've got this win over the Saints. I, I do think I looked at their schedule today 
And I just, I thought the same thing. I was like, these are all winnable games. And, you know, on first moves live, we go in picks. I was like, I think I can easily go into this at this moment, be willing to pick them in every game. I think they'll drop games, but I think there's reasons to believe they can win every game. I'm a little nervous about this next Falcons game because the Falcons need a win. And obviously they're better than an 0-3 team. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting to see how the defense plays. But speaking of the Packers defense, before we go jump into the Saints side, Collinsworth, you know, throws a kind of like a passive aggressive shot. He goes, this Green Bay Packers defense is built to play in shootouts. I don't know if that's his way of saying that they're they're not a great defense by any means. But I I thought it was really funny that he said that because they kind of are. They don't have very good run-stopping defense. And, I mean, especially with Kenny Clark out and not many notable linebackers, but you've got good pass rushers. I just, I just thought that was really funny to take a shot. Yeah, I think uh, you can mean it as an insult, but I also think there is some merit to having a team built for, for shootouts. First off, the pass rush, that is a big thing. And then secondly, just having players on your team that, although they'll get beat sometimes, can turn around and force a turnover or can make a big play when it matters. They're not about shutting down the, the opponent. They're just about making big plays to give your team the edge in a shootout that, that are definitely worth acknowledging and, and are something worth appreciating. But, yeah, I mean, obviously you would prefer your team to just have a good defense in general and be able to hold them down. So I, I don't remember when he said that, but knowing Chris Collinsworth, he was probably trying to be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but another thing they the announcers were, you know, talking about Locke was uh, Drew Brees' depth of target and, you know, showing that it's he's ranked pretty close to last every single year. Do you think this this narrative that he doesn't throw the ball deep, does that even matter? I mean, they're they're successful every year in this in this style of offense they play. Do you do you find it worrisome whatsoever, really? Well, no, because of the fact that they've been playing that like that for a couple of years. Obviously, quite a few years ago, Drew Brees liked to air it down the field to like Marcus Colston and uh, Ted Ginn Jr. and guys like that who he would just hurl the ball to and would get some giant chunk yard games. That's not Drew Brees anymore. And that's not an issue because as we saw yesterday, I thought Drew Brees looked all right. He made the plays he needed to make. He didn't make too many mistakes. And if they're going to throw the ball short a lot and it works, why not? Especially when Michael Thomas comes back, that's an effective system. Michael Thomas will do that all day long. And obviously, if it continues to work, even when defenses know that you're not going to throw the ball down the field a lot, if it still works still, then I don't think it's a problem. It's kind of like Tom Brady and the Patriots. He didn't throw the ball down the field a lot, but he would win Super Bowls with them. I don't think it's too big of a deal. I mean, obviously, you could show the concern that maybe if he's completely incapable of throwing it deep, but I don't think Drew Brees is completely incapable of throwing it deep. Yeah, I don't think he's completely incapable. Obviously, it's not something it seems like he doesn't want to do very often. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, when when you have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and especially when Sean Payton can get them completely open yeah. in the field, I mean, they're, you saw it yesterday. I mean, Alvin Kamara can break tackle Jeez. after tackle, even though Jeez. I think that's more in the Packers, at least from my perspective, than Alvin mm-hmm. Kamara. That was not very good defense in that moment. But, I mean, 
like you're saying, I don't think they're going to have to rely heavily on Drew Brees this year. You got Alvin Kamara when Michael Thomas comes back. They're going to be their main staples in their offense. And then if the defense can can play a little bit better, I mean, I think we're talking about them, you know, contending for a Super Bowl again. Yeah. But the next game is, you know, you mentioned a little bit about Tom Brady. I know he's not on this team anymore, but it's the Patriots Raiders. And to me, it was a classic Patriots game. I mean, Burkhead had three touchdowns. Oh my gosh! And it's just like what one of those. Ga- it's just like <laughs> one of those games where you're like, why did he have three touchdowns? Like, they exec- They came in with a game plan and they executed it and they won. It's going to be mm-hmm. different next week. Burkhead probably won't have a touchdown for like four weeks or something. And it's just it's classic Patriots right now. Yeah, and you know the interesting thing was week one, Cam Newton only. Th- through for like a hundred or something yards against the dolphins and they won comfortably. Then the next week when we thought, well, can he throw it? Can he ball out and throw for a bunch of yards? Yes, he can. They didn't beat the Seahawks, but Cam Newton threw the ball all over creation this week back again. He threw only for 162 yards on the day and they won comfortably, which I think, like you said, is very Patriots of this team. They know what they need to do to beat any given team. They knew they were going to have to air it out to beat the Seahawks. So Cam Newton aired it out this week. They knew that they just needed to run the ball. I mean, good grief. Rex Burkhead had had quite the day. He had 49 yards on the ground and 49 yards in the air, which when's the last time that's happened to Rex Burkhead. Hmm. And then Sony Michelle ran for 13 yards every time he got the ball in his hands on average, of course. And this, this, this Patriots team, and then you got guys like, like JJ Taylor, making runs who who is jj taylor like the, this patriots team can do so many different weird things and it's uh, again that's just the patriot way i feel like and i don't know the, they may be just as annoying with cam newton and maybe more frustrating with cam newton than they were with tom brady just because maybe not as frustrating but just as annoying because they could still win games week after week and look completely different in how they win every single time and yeah I, and then their defense stepped up today they smothered the this Raiders offense I felt like and, and on the Raiders I think both these teams first of all have a really good shot at making the playoffs I don't know if they'll win their division mm-hmm. uh, either seems but I think they can be in a wild card position but Derek Carr I feel like He's not a good enough QB to like help the Raiders if they find more pieces to take him to the Super Bowl by any means. I think the thing is he's going to play just well enough where Gruden can't get rid of him and move on from him. Yeah, it's going to be really tough, isn't it? I guess the big thing we'll be to see is if they get the, the, the pieces, if Derek Carr improves with them or if he stays at the level he's at right now. And the only way we can know if that's going to happen is if, it, is if they get those pieces. Because, I mean, think about how good Derek Carr was a couple years ago when he had Amari Cooper to throw to. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, he, was, he was really good. Obviously, a breakout year happens, and then you can slump back and never find it again. But let's see if he can get back up to that form once he gets a new Amari Cooper, once, it, once Henry Ruggs stays healthy, and if Henry Ruggs can really explode as a receiver and become quite a weapon, then maybe we'll see Derek Carr improve as well. But... I mean, until then, yeah, I don't think this guy's going to win you too many playoff games. 
And I and I just think he's gonna he's gonna hold them back. But it, I feel like they'll win regular season games and make the playoffs. So it's gonna be hard to move on fr- from them. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be the issue. So they're just gonna be stuck in that middle ground, and that is the place you don't want to be stuck in the NFL. It can be very Andy Dalton like. <laughs> But I have to make an apology in a way to you, Mark. I feel like I jinxed you. I, I kind of I hyped you up a little bit on the first and most live talk about the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, it was a smart <laughs> pick, and then, then they lost. I mean, the Lions snapped their 11-game losing streak, which is, which is good for them. I mean, that's a, that's a long losing streak. And then Kyler Murray threw three interceptions. Yeah, it was a weird game. And I remember on First and Moose Live saying, don't be surprised. First off, if it's close. And secondly, if it gets a little funky between these two teams. And it did get a little weird. Uh, not weird in the way I thought it would. But Kyler Murray just had an off day. He mm-hmm. missed passes. He made some poor, poor decisions that led to interceptions and also led to some that should have been interceptions. I think this game falls on him. He just, I, he had seven, sorry, no, he didn't. Um, he just didn't figure it out running the ball as well, which is sometimes what he does when he's in a funk. And the Lions were able to get the job done. Offensively, they didn't look that great, the Lions, but they were able to do what they needed to do. And that's sometimes that's just how you win games. But really, I think this one falls on Kyler Murray and just him not looking too great. I don't know how much of that really falls on the Lions defense. I went back and watched some of the game. It just seemed like Murray was just not on point. And maybe we'll see that a couple of times this season. Maybe we'll see Kyler Murray just have random games where things don't click in his head and he makes some poor throws, he makes some poor decisions, and the Cardinals struggle because of it. Because really, it, it almost all falls on Kyler Murray to do well for this Cardinals team to win, even though DeAndre Hopkins had 137 receiving yards again yeah, on Sunday. I think that goes to show that Kyler Murray needs to play well in order for this team to win. And so uh, we'll see how consistent he can be throughout the season. Cause I think that's the big takeaway from this is that Murray didn't look as good as he did the first two weeks. And is that kind of continue? Yeah. I think this season's definitely is a lot of it's going to fall on Murray's shoulders overall. Like you're saying, I mean, if he plays well, they're going to win games, but if he, as games and I, I went back and definitely watched those interceptions. I thought one wasn't his fault, but the other two definitely were. And I I just think it's 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 gonna be a lot on him. But I don't think the schedule is too difficult for them. At least uh the next like two games I believe are pretty easy wins for them. So you can get back on track there. But another game that that came down to the wire was the Vikings Titans. And we mentioned both these teams earlier, you know, the Titans being a possibly fake 3-0 team, a team that seems really a dominant 3-0 team. And the Vikings, I kind of said that there is a chance they could be a better than 0-3. But I thought one of the things was that uh, after last week's podcast talking about, you know, Stefan Diggs really affecting this Vikings offense, Justin Jefferson finally showed up and came to play 175 yards and a touchdown. And that, that extremely helped their, their offense. And Dalvin Cook played the best he's played all season, but they weren't able to get it done. I think a lot of it is just going to fall on this, this Vikings defense because I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to win you games if you have a bad defense. Yeah, I don't think he is either. I, this is not a Kirk Cousins or, or, or quarterback in general that can Russell Wilson games for you. He's just not that level. And there are not a lot of quarterbacks that can do that 
in any given game, let alone on a week-on-week basis that can just win you games without a good defense. I, I don't know because I, you, you see the, 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 some of the questions that we had for this Vikings team are there. We, we, we were wondering when Justin Jefferson or when another receiver would step up for the Vikings. We were wondering when Dalvin Cook would step up and have a good game. And regardless of that fact, the one question we still have that did that's still not looking good is that Vikings defense. They continue to let teams walk all over them. Ryan Tannehill had over 300 passing yards. Derrick Henry had 119 rushing yards. They let a guy named Khalif Raymond uh, have 118 receiving yards on just three receptions. That's not good. That's just busted coverages and just bad secondary play. This Vikings team has got to figure it out eventually. I think Mike Zimmer will at least make them a little better. But at this point, I'm not confident in them making it, making it to the playoffs if this is the quality we're going to see. Yeah, they're, they're last in the NFC North right now, and I don't see much improvement happening at the moment. But that defense has to turn around if they're going to do anything. But the Titans, you know, squeezed out another win. But their upcoming schedules, they've got the Steelers and Bills up next. Do you, do you think they'll drop both of them, Mark? I think they do. I think the Titans lose both of those games. Uh, the Steelers one is really interesting. I think that one will be really close. Mm-hmm. But at this moment, I think the Titans drop two in a row, especially to the Bills, and kind of come back down to earth. I think the Steelers game will be one that it really will fall on the Steelers side, and there are a couple questions there. But if they don't lose that one, they'll at least lose to the Bills. This Titans team is not uh, a powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination, and I think we're going to see that these next few weeks. Yeah, and I think the Steelers have not looked great, but they, they found another way to win this weekend against the Texans, and I think you know, we talked about NFC defenses, but on the AFC side, I mean, the two defense I believe in at the moment are the, I mean, we'll see tonight if I still believe in the Ravens defense. I mean, you could, it's against the Chiefs. So if they don't have a great defensive showing, I mean, doesn't mean that much. Yeah, but I don't know this, if I would. <laughs> the Steelers and the Ravens, I think, are the two defenses right now. I really like how the AFC and the Bills, but. I mean, the Steelers' defense is is going to, like we're saying, they're going to win them games. But the, the Texans drop into 0-3. I mean, they play the Vikings next week, which is 0-3 as well. But, man, I, I feel bad for Watson right now. Yeah, I do. And just before we move on from this, I would like to mention that um, I'm trying to find where the, where the stats are here on this. Uh, I would keep an eye out. I'm not going to say they are a good defense yet, but the Colts lead the NFL in yards allowed right now on defense, and they lead the NFL in interceptions. And I think that would be a team worth looking out for. They did play the Jets, the Jaguars, and the Vikings, but we'll see if that holds up in these next few weeks. The pass rush has been good. The run defense has been all right, and they've held the other opposing team to quite a few yardage, especially as the game wears on. I would say that once they start facing tougher competition to to check to see if they are a legit defense, but just to throw it out on the radar, but moving to the Texans though, I mean, luckily you got to think that you start winning games now that you're, you're out of that hellish first stretch 
and some of these receivers will continue to to figure things out without uh, nuke around. Um, but I got to say, this Texans team can't beat good teams, and that's a problem because you're going to go against good teams. I think that the Colts and Titans are going to give them problems. Those are two teams that have good pass rushes, and that's going to be times when you're going to be asking for the receivers to give you help. And I, at this point they have not done that. And that's a huge concern because the defense isn't great. And if your offense isn't working, even with Deshaun Watson at the helm, then there there's a big problem. Yeah. It's the, the Bill O'Brien is eventually, I mean, I'm not sure if he's on the hot seat at the moment, but he, he's going to find himself there. Cause I don't think they're going to have a winning record this year. I thought they would coming into the season, but Right now, I'm I'm not too confident that they're going to be able to turn things around. The way that offense is going, and uh, David Johnson doesn't seem to be finding much of life right now, which is not good for any Texans people out there. A game that, oh man, it it was hard. It was, I it was on red zone. The Bengals Eagles over and over again. I swear the Eagles in in overtime were in the same exact spot for like ten minutes straight. The two teams combined for 45 yards and four first downs, punting combined six times in that 10-minute overtime period. I mean, Fuck. awful. And I, I really don't know what to say. I didn't pay attention to it much, but, man, I, I think we just – I'm giving up on the Eagles already. Yeah, I mean, this is what I said. I said it on Sunday. If the Eagles can't win this game, the, the season is over. And although they didn't lose, they didn't win the game either. And what they put on the field was not a convincing product. This Eagles team is bad. It's time to finally accept that this is not a good football team, not even a decent football team. And Carson Wentz is struggling right now. He might be able to turn it around as the season goes on. But as this year progresses, don't be surprised if we start hearing talks of Jalen Hurts. I don't want to bring it up just yet. (laughs) I I don't want to start. I don't want to be the one to ask the question. I think but, someone did ask Peterson. I think he was like, it's too early. Yeah, but I I just mm, – it is bad. It, this is not good. Carson Wentz is a great quarterback, and he does not look the part at all right now. And eventually, you're going to have the right to ask that question. Yeah, you, you definitely will. And, I, and Jalen Hurts isn't going to solve the issues that the Eagles have right now. Yeah. I, the, the, I thought the Eagles had a chance to win their division, and, man, I was wrong. It, oh, yeah, it, absolutely. it it does not look good whatsoever. But the, the Colts Jets game, Mark, did you did you take away much from that game? Um, well, I took away the fact that and it's something that makes me happy is that the Colts offense didn't play very well and still won by a significant margin. This defense was able to step up like I just brought up a second ago and score more points than the Jets offense did. We scored 16 points, two pick sixes and a safety to, to win that game. I think that that's really how the Colts defense is going to thrive this year. There are times in the game where Sam Darnold was able to drive down the field and have some success. But one time they, he threw a pick in the end zone. That was his other interception. His third one was an Xavier Rhodes uh, interception in the end zone. I think the Colts are going to thrive off of just stopping drives through turnovers and the fact that they can win these games not only because of their defense but win them comfortably because of their defense is a good sign for the Colts moving forward they have some they have some mediocre teams coming up ahead on their slate which I think bodes well for continuing to build this defense's confidence in a time where right now defenses aren't doing too hot 
Yeah, I mean, the defenses are we've we've touched on it a lot throughout this podcast, but they're not looking good at the moment. But talk about New York teams, Jets or Giants, which team's worse? Jets. The Jets are worse. I think the Jets are worse off their roster right now. Injuries are are really hurting both these teams, but. The talent, there's still some there's still some decent players on this Giants team that I like. This Jets team, I can't even say I like Sam Darnold a lot. He made some poor decisions in that game. He had some great plays as well, including his touchdown. But overall, I don't know if there's a single guy on this Jets roster that I say that I genuinely, genuinely like. This Jets team is really bad. And things are going to continue to be ugly unless they can figure some stuff out as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, it, those those two teams are are awful and I feel bad for New York fans at the moment, but maybe maybe one of them will turn around in the the coming future, but I don't think either of them have a very great quarterback right now. Last game we can we can touch on is that the Panthers Chargers game. And the, the Panthers found a way to win here. I know uh, Justin Herbert did all right. He, got, he was out for a little bit, came back in. And then, but the, the Chargers this season, I don't know what to think of them at the moment. I mean, I, I thought they would be, I think they've looked all right, but I thought they would be looking better than they, they are right now. Yeah, well, I think the big thing is that, uh, this defense is, has done well. I mean, holding a, a team to 21 points is pretty good. I think that it's tough to figure out exactly the issue with this team, except for that the offense is just inconsistent. You have talent on that offensive side, and I think that falls on the quarterbacking position. I think Tyrod Taylor has proven in the past that he cannot play very well unless his team around him is good. And the only reason they got to the playoffs or the only time he made it to the playoffs was with the bills. And that was a pretty good team around him. And then he looked terrible with the Browns and now he, and he looked uninspiring week one against the Bengals. And now you've got a rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert, who I'd say probably took a step down this, this game, Mm -hmm. but still looked all right and still was able to keep them close and was able to at least lead one drive. Uh, back into the game and almost had a miraculous finish to win the game uh, last second. He'll get better. And I think this Chargers team is going to get better as the year goes on, as Herbert improves or as if Tyra Taylor comes back, then my judgment is going to might be on hold. I I don't know if I'd be confident in this team led by Tyra Taylor. Yeah. I think you just kind of, we've, we've talked about it. You got to keep Herbert in there. You got to let him keep on improving because the defense is there. And if you can keep mm-hmm. a lot of those pieces and if Herbert improves enough, this team can be formidable in the future. Yeah. But that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. It was fun, Mark. It was a fun weekend yeah. of NFL. And we've got, Absolutely. we've got a great one tonight. And if you're listening on the air, it was hopefully a great one from last night. But uh, thank you guys for listening on any podcasting platform out there or on U92 The Moose on 91.7 FM. We'll catch you guys Sunday on First Moose Live.